Well, praise the Lord. I'm so thankful that you all showed up here this morning. The nice day outside. I was up uh, fairly early and, and was just, you know, enjoying the sounds of the birds and the, the smell. It was a beautiful smell in the air and everything. It was like just like the perfect morning, you know. And I'm just so thankful that we, we get to experience some of that around here. Hallelujah. But, you know, without the trial, the seasons of winter, we just wouldn't get to, to, to appreciate and enjoy that near as much. Praise the Lord. So I, I, I am thankful for it. But I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for the winter, but I'm thankful for what we're at right now, too. Amen. But, uh, man, God is so good. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm just so thankful for all that God has given us, you know, God has done so much in our lives. And when I talk about that, of course, you know, in, in, in a way, I've always mean the things that God has done for us naturally, but I really, I'm talking about so much more than that, you know. Just the presence of God is such an amazing thing that we get to experience that in this natural life. And, it, you know, it's so funny, as I, as I look out into the world, you know, um, you know, it's never... Um, it's never the, the, the riches of the world that people really need. I mean, it might be what they want or what they're after, or what they think they need, but it's never that that really, that really satisfies. It's never the, um, you know, it's never all the things that people are after, but it's that, that, that ability to live in the presence of God that a lot of people just don't know about. You know, and so when we when we go to various places, you know, some people you can preach to just if you if you just talk about the things that they want, you can get people stirred up for a time. You know, if you find out what the need is in the area or whatever, you can just kind of hang on that. You know, if I just w went through your lives daily and checked your 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 Facebook posts or whatever you do, you know, and, <clears throat> you know, checked on you, what do you need all the time and stuff like that and just preach messages like that, you know, that would get you so far and that that might bless you a lot. Uh, in, in, in the immediate, but, but learning the presence of God is something, or learning how to access the presence of God is something that's invaluable. And so I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that the Lord has, has, has trained us in, in these things, you know. And it, when I say trained us in these things, it's not that he's not training others. <coughs> God is training us you know, as we come together, as we press into him, you know, even this, this morning, the Lord was teaching me some things. I had some, some kind of direction that I wanted to go for this, uh, for this service. And, and, and it's, again, it's always so funny because, you know, as we, um, you know, I, I actually had, uh, when I came to Corey last night, I probably had about two or three weeks worth of sermons ready for there. But, uh, as I came here, I had a partial sermon ready for here. And as I woke up in the morning, there just wasn't anything there. You know, there was nothing to do, uh, to to, to do for it. And then I started having a little bit of anxiety because, you know, it was like about, uh, let's see, I woke up probably about uh, roughly about six in the morning. And uh, so I come up, come to about six in the morning and I immediately grab my, my phone, which has my notes on it. That's where I do all my notes and prepare all the stuff. You know, I used the other resources, but I put it all there because it's easy, easily and readily accessible to me no matter where I'm at. And so I, I pulled up, got my notes right up and, and, and uh, started looking at them. And I'm just like, there wasn't any kind of flow there, you know. And, I'm, and so now I start feeling the anxiety. And it's like I've done this a million times, not really a million, but close to it, you know, it seems like. And, but it's still, there's, there's, never, there's never that satisfaction in myself. I never have that place where I'm confident in myself that I've, I've got enough 
to preach a sermon. And so, as, but then when the sermon gets taken away from you, you know, you think, well, it should be easy to just preach a sermon. But see, it just doesn't work like that. It, not for me anyways. I mean, for some people it might, but it certainly doesn't for me. And I always think, well, God, it's a sign and a wonder that you use me. Because if I come up here and I have four words to say, I'm already doing better than I, uh, than I, I did any other time in my life. But the fact of the matter is, is I, 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 did, uh, I, I did have God taught me a lesson this morning that he's taught me many times, but he reminded me of it this morning. And perhaps it was for you. Perhaps it was for me. Perhaps it was for both of us. It doesn't matter. But this lesson was this, that as I started pressing into God, I got up and my wife had uh, gotten kicked out of bed by my daughter, I think. So she had moved her out. She, she, so she had moved on to the living room. And, uh, uh, you know, some things happen in the middle of the night and you don't always, because you're not conscience, conscious, you know, you don't always know what's really going on. And I'm not just wasting time, by the way. I, I really have, uh, because I, well, praise the Lord. But at any rate, uh, uh, you know, uh, she, she was out there and I walked by her. She's in the living room. She's laying on the couch and she's like, hi, she's up already, you know, at six. And she's like, Hi, and I'm like, I don't have a sermon. And so I, I got into the, she's like, oh, you'll get it. You'll have it. And, and, and I was like, yeah, I know. And I go to, to, to make the pot of half-calf coffee because I can't drink full-calf coffee on Sunday mornings. But uh, I go to make my pot of half-calf coffee. I'm like, yeah, but I like my Sunday mornings with you. And she said, well, on the good side of things, I'm now off for the summer so you can have every morning for me with me for the rest of the summer. I'm like, yeah, but I, you know, I am kind of a creature of habit. I like, you know what I mean? I like my things the way I like them. And so I was like, but I wanted Sunday morning, but I had to go in, but I was like, oh, that's okay. I'll go spend time with the Lord. And that's what I did. And she was confident that I'd get a message. And sure enough, I did. And, uh, you know, I, I, that, that message came. And then at, towards the end of putting together the message, I thought, well, surely this isn't enough. And so God gives me a few more scriptures that I surely will not get to this morning. I can guarantee you that. But at any rate, uh, uh, he gives me those extra scriptures, you know, and it, just to put my own, my own conscience, conscious ease or my own uh, heart at ease, you know, just so I won't come to, to church sweating already or anything like that. And, uh, uh, but, but in that, you know, he, he you, you know, I, I started kind of meditating because now I'm in the mode of just, just, just focusing on God, you know, a beautiful morning and it's quiet and the birds are chirping and I'm, I'm sitting there in our back room and I'm just meditating on God and, and his goodness and, and how he brought me through yet again and, and stuff like that. And, and in all that, you know, I was like, well, you know, why is that? And the, and the Lord started uh, showing me about pressing into him. See, there's a lot of times in life where the situation that's presented before us, we don't always know what we're going to do. And, you know, if, truly, if I get up in the morning and I don't know what I'm going to preach and I have to preach that morning I don't know what I'm gonna do because I'm just not I'm not smart enough to put it together myself well I can put anything together but there's a difference between putting it together and being able to speak it contrary to popular belief I am not I know very little I'm not a public speaker it's not the thing that I'm I, I'm I'm naturally gifted at doing and so if the Lord can use me in that way it's only him that does it amen Praise the Lord. And so, but he, but, but, but was encouraging me along those lines of pressing into him. See, when we don't know what to do, when we're, when we're at a place where we have to get something done and we, we're, we're uh, tempted to be filled with anxiety, and surely I was filled with some anxiety, right? And it doesn't mean that the anxiety is just instantly going to dissipate, but what do we do when God has showed me this over and over and I knew exactly what to do, and that's to just press into him. I just push into him. What does it mean to do that? Well, it means I'm just going to resist the anxiety. The anxiety makes you want to quit. The anxiety makes you want to give up. But I just press in, press in, press in, press into him. And then I get to the point where I'm not even going to press into him for the message. I'm just going to press into him. I just want to know him. 
I just want to know God. I just want to push into him. And, and folks, this is the answer for our lives. This is how we overcome. This is how we do things. When, we, when we're faced with a situation we don't know what to do with, we press into God. Amen? Praise the Lord. So with that, we're going to be talking about motivated beyond belief. Amen? Glory to God. Today's message, Motivated Beyond Belief. And of course, you know, I always like to give titles with a little bit of a twist. But you know, this, uh, uh, this idea of belief is, 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 means beyond faith. And that's what we're talking about. Belief is faith or trust in God. And so when we're talking about biblical faith, uh, biblical belief, it's trust, it's faith, it's trust in God. That's what it is. And so the question is, are we motivated beyond that? Are we motivated to do the things that we're motivated to do, the things that are motivating us and encouraging us and they're driving us, really is what I want to say. Not even encouraging us, but the things that are driving us are these things that go beyond our faith. Uh, and, and what I mean beyond our faith is not what you can believe for because I think that's foolish to think that. If you trust God, you can believe for everything. Yeah. I had a friend say to me once, he was like, yeah, I got this, uh, this thing that's on my heart. And, 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 and uh, he's like, I, you know, I was like, but my faith ain't there yet. He said, my faith ain't there yet. So I, I got to just, I got to grow my faith before I can get to that place where I can trust God for that. And I said, oh, really? Uh, and then it just came to me in an instant. I, and I looked at my friend and I said, I said, if Jesus came down today and told you, stood before you and told you to do something, I, I said, would you do it? And he's like, absolutely, I'd do it. I said, would you hesitate? He said, no, I wouldn't hesitate at all. I said, what's the difference? Yeah. If he puts something on your heart, you're not the one that's got to come up with it anyways. If it's truly God putting it on your heart, he's got to figure out a way to do it. That's not beyond you. You don't have to use faith for nothing. You guys just got to, you just got to say, God, I trust you. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's what faith, that's all faith is. Faith is just trusting God. It's just saying, yeah, Lord, I trust you. I know, I, I know this is what I got to do. I don't know how I got to do it, but I know I got to do it. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to trust you to do it. I can't do it myself, but that doesn't matter. Amen. Yeah. But sometimes our motivations grow beyond our faith. In other words, they're beyond the things that we can trust God for. You know, the things that we know that God wants to do. Those are the things that we can have faith on. Has God called us to love? Absolutely, he's called us to love. And because God's called us to love, we can trust him with the ability for us, the, the capacity to love. We can trust him with the, uh, the capacity to do the things that love requires us to do. Ah, wow, that's, that's something that's really interesting, isn't it? We can trust God with the capacity to do what love requires us to do because God's will is love. It's his primary will in our life is love, Right? And so if that's the case, then whenever we're lacking that, that ability in of ourselves, we just say, well, praise the Lord, he's got the ability. Yeah. I might not have it right now, but I don't need to have it. And as Christians, we need to, we need to understand and get to the point where we realize that you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to have enough faith. You're never going to believe God enough. You're not going to, uh, you know, it's so amazing to me because as I studied this out recently, it's really, uh, it's really awesome. You know, the things, the people that came to God for the healing, most of them were coming desperately because that was the only answer. They weren't coming there with some great, uh, great uh, 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 expectation of faith uh, in the sense that they were just like, you, you know, they were faith giants. They were the ones that we model after. No, many of these people, they were doubtful. They came to him as their last resort, but they came to him anyways. And see, that's the thing. When we come to God, let's come to God anyways. Let's not worry about all the other stuff. Let's just come to God anyways, because he's the answer. Yeah. Amen? And when we settle that in our hearts, then we can truly be what God has called us to be. And that's what a Christian is. That we call, come to God in the full assurance of faith. Amen? Praise the Lord. Is God, 
an afterthought in your existence. In everything you do, in what, you, what you're motivated in life, what you, what, what you try to accomplish in life, what you try to uh, you know, build in your life, what the things that you're after, is God an afterthought to those things? Or is he the, the, the express thought of those? If God is the goal, if he's always the one before you, then you're, then you're not motivated beyond belief. You're motiva- motivated in line with true belief. But if God is an afterthought, if you think of all the things you could do and then you think, oh, well, how can God work into this? You know what I mean? Like you come up with your plan, right? And then you present your plan to God and you say, Lord, this is my plan. This is what I've come up with. Isn't it good? Don't you want to bless this? Isn't this one what you want to help me with? Here, I'm just going to release faith to do that. See, that's not what God has called us to. God has called us to sacrifice ourselves, right? Not literally. Praise the Lord. Don't have to get afraid. But he's called us to crucify our own flesh and yield it to him. Amen? Bring it to the altar of God. We're going to get into some good things here this morning. Amen? I believe this. You believe it? Yes. Well, even if you didn't, somebody else did. So I'm going to continue. Amen? <laughs> Glory to God. Turn with me to John 16, 33. I've been quoting this a lot recently, and it just seemed right this morning. I might as well finally just have us turn there. Right? John 16, 33. Actually, these in, in John 16, 33 and John 10, 10 have been on my heart so much lately um, as I've been ministering. Uh, specifically, and so I, I do believe that there's something in that. Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Uh, and it says here, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. Now these things that Jesus is talk- talking about, if you back up uh, you know, some scriptures before, you'll, you'll read about these things that Jesus prays for, and it's really amazing. It's really amazing the things that he sets up there. Basically what it is, is the ability to go to God with absolute trust in prayer. That you go to God when you pray, when you pray, you go to God in full assurance of faith and you have an expectation that those, that those prayers are going to come to pass. And he's verifying that God wants to do these things in your life. Amen? But now we know there's a lot of things that work into that too. And, and so I don't want to just say that, you know, anything that we could possibly want, desire or whatever, that we could put it before God and we're just going to get it. That's not what he was talking about either. But, but he did say this at the end of this, kind of summing this all up. And this is what we're getting to. Those things that he has spoken, he said, uh, so uh, he's spoken them so that in him or in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. And so, you know, as I study, as I was studying this out and, and just kind of getting into it, uh, this, th- this, this idea was presented to me that Christians have a dual existence. We have an existence in the world, but we also, what's different, and that, 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 doesn't, uh, that doesn't make us differ from anyone else who is in the world currently, right? Everybody who is here exists in the world, and so we understand that. But we also have another existence, and this isn't something that the rest of the world gets unless they decide to partake of it, but we also have an existence in Christ, amen? And that is a really big thing. Now these, though, these two things are the reason why we see so much turbulence. If you read over there, and and that word kept coming to me, turbulence. In this world, we see turbulence. You know, if you're on a plane, what turbulence is? 
you're flying along, everything's fine, doesn't seem like anything's going wrong, and then all of a sudden you start shaking or start bouncing around and things start falling over, you know. Unfortunately, I've never been in a place where I've had to deal with uh, too awful tur turbulence. One time I was with Reverend Randy when we were flying back from Gatlinburg, and uh, we, we were coming out of Gatlinburg and we were about... Uh, we were about 9,000 feet in the air. That's what we were flying back, if I remember correctly. It was either 8,000 or 9,000. One way you go, you have to fly at even numbers. One way you have to go, you fly at odd numbers. But whatever it was, it was eight or 9,000 feet. And all of a sudden, if I hadn't had my seatbelt on, which I was glad I did, but if I hadn't had my seatbelt on, my head would have hit the plane because that thing started bouncing around. Now, he was fairly okay with that, but I wasn't at okay, I wasn't okay with it at all. I didn't like it at all. And, I, and I'm kind of looking at him and starting to get a little bit ill and stuff like that. You know, I don't like them bouncing around. I'm not just not, especially when you're eight or 9,000 feet in the air or whatever it is. And so uh, he said, I'm going to see if I can go a little bit higher. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, you know, with air traffic control, I'm going to see if I can get, uh, go a little bit higher, see if we can get above this. Because basically what he explained to me is, you know, uh, when you see clouds and stuff like that, basically the reason they are there where they're at is because there's some force that's keeping them there. And so when you're flying, when you experience turbulence, what you're experiencing is whatever that force is that keeps clouds there or wherever it keeps them, that's what's moving you around. And so that, that, that's kind of the kind of things that can happen to you up there, right? And, that's, and, and to a pilot, that's just something that happens to somebody who's not as knowledgeable. It's scary as all get out. But uh, at any rate, we're bouncing around and it feels, you know, because it feels like it's like, you know, that surely the plane's going to fall apart. You know, that's, that's the way that bouncing, because nothing should be able to rattle like this, but it, they do okay. So at any rate, uh, we go up higher and then we get out of that. We're out of the turbulence. But, but what, what is that turbulence? That turbulence is, is it's pressure. It's, it's two opposing forces causing, uh, ca that causes that shaking. And so what we're seeing in this life is we're seeing two opposing forces shaking. Now in the world, you're going to just mainly uh, experience whatever opposing force is there in the world. But see, when you've come to Christ, now you've got an opposite, uh, an opposite force that's pushing against you. And so to be in Christ and to be also in the world, we're going to see tribulation. That's what Jesus was talking about here. That's all tribulation is. When you think about the things that come against you, when you think about the hard things in life as a Christian, the things that try to rob from your faith, the things that try to push you down, the things that try to keep you from getting into all that God has for you, whatever it is, when you think about all these things, it's tribulation, it's opposite. In fact, in, over there in Romans, I think it's chapter 8, you know, uh, Paul tells us that, uh, you, you know, that, that the, the, the flesh works against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And so that if you're in one, you know, and of course over there in Galatians 5, we see the same theme, you know, of, uh, of the flesh versus the spirit. And we're encouraged to do what? Live according to the spirit. But that doesn't mean live in a spiritual world. We're supposed to live in this world according to the spirit. But we should not be surprised when there's turbulence, when there's, when there's trembling, when there's things that oppose us. And the thing is, is like the pilot, you know, they know when things are, 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 are still okay. 
They know that uh, they know that what they can get away with. In fact, when I was flying back, remember I was having all that trouble uh, sitting in JFK Airport coming back, and I wanted to get back home. Uh, Reverend Randy, my friend Reverend Randy, was over there in in Hawaii at that time. Him and his wife were there for I think an anniversary trip or something, and they were uh, over there, so they were uh, many miles away. But when uh, our flights were delayed, and I got on, I just tried to figure out why, and I saw that there was thunderstorms around the area, so I I got on the horn to. Uh, my, my friend and I said hey I was like can you check this and see if I can get through because I wanted to know what to expect see he was a pilot he could read the weather patterns he knows what people are gonna fly in and, and what they won't fly in and so uh, you know uh, typically they, uh, they 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 understand all that stuff and so that's that's exactly and he put my mind at ease he's like yeah yeah there's a good likelihood that they'll they'll they'll, they'll try to get you home because he knew and see, he, he, it was settled in his mind. But at the same time, if he was there with me in the airport and he saw that it was really bad, he might have told me, you know what, we're, we're not going anywhere. In fact, one time I flew with him. We flew, it was supposed to be a trip. We were flying somebody else. He just asked me if I wanted to go with him. It was just a, an afternoon thing. Flew, flew this guy over to Boston, Massachusetts, drop him off, and we were going to fly back. We flew him there. But as we were flying over, this front build be, built behind us, this thunderstorm front, and we couldn't fly back through it because it's very dangerous to fly through thunderstorms you don't do that unless you want to crash and so he said to me and and this is what I love about him he said to me he's like listen he was like I know you wanted to be back but we can't get back tonight we have to stay overnight it's just the way it is hopefully we can get out tomorrow and that's just the way that it is sometimes you know and so uh, 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 but that understanding is like he knew that okay now I'm not going to fly I'm just gonna stay put but when he knows there's a clear uh, 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 time to fly uh, uh, he, he was okay with that and he'll do that even if there's bumps. So why do I share all this? Because these are natural things that get us to understand the truth. When you're in the know, it doesn't, the bumps don't bother you because you know what they are. When you're in the know, the tribulation, the turbulence, it's not going to affect you as much because you know what it is. But if you, and if you need to stay grounded for a time, you're not going to let that check you out because you know that sometimes we just got to stay grounded because there's turbulence. And that's exactly what Jesus is telling us. Sometimes there's going to be trials in life. Sometimes there's going to be things that come against you. Sometimes the front is going to build and it's going to be too big. And instead of going through it, instead of going over it, instead of going around it, I'm just going to have you stay put and, and weather the storm. Amen. This is exactly what God has called us to. In fact, you see this in the life of Jesus. You see this in the life of the disciples. Actually, you see this all through scriptures. There's times where God miraculously delivers people out of, out of amazingly terrible situations. And there's other, other times where, where the Lord says to them, hunker down and wait for the storm to pass. And why does he do that? Why does he do things differently? I don't always know. And it doesn't really matter. The only thing that really matters is to know what to do and then do it. When we follow God, that's exactly what we're doing. Jesus said that there would be tribulation in life. Don't be surprised at tribulation. Don't be moved by tribulation. It is what it is. It's going to be here because there's two opposing forces. And as long as those two opposing forces are going to be here, so is turbulence. So is tribulation. You're not going to stop it no matter how much you pray, no matter how much you beg, no matter how much you cry, no matter how much you get on the horn and talk to your friends or your neighbors, no matter how much you complain on Facebook or any other me method. It does not matter. You aren't going to change the fact that there is tribulation. We live in a world that is opposing God. And as long as we live in a world that is opposing God, that's exactly what it's going to do. It's going to oppose God. But Jesus said, be of good cheer, because I've already overcome it. Be of good cheer, because the things that the devil threw, he couldn't stop me. 
And because he couldn't stop me, and now I'm in you. If you're in me, you're okay. See, that's exactly what God is leading us to. He's bringing us to this, this knowledge and this understanding, but it's how we look at it. It's how we perceive it. We can perceive our situation as hopeless, and we can perceive it out of faith. Or we can perceive it as hopeful because of the one, the greater one, who lives on the inside of us. Now, this was something that came to me. I actually found this in my notes many, many moons ago. And I wrote it in my notes, and I, and, and I, I don't think I'd ever preached it. But it's something that I, I felt strongly I needed to bring out today. Sometimes the things in the world must be destabilized in order to bring about change. Yeah. Think about stagnant water. Okay, stagnant water, what is it? Stagnant water is just water that sits, and what happens is things grow in it. Things, you know, mosquitoes will lay eggs in it. There'll be nastiness. You don't just drink stagnant water. You'd be much safer to drink moving water, right? Why? Because it's moving and it's, it, and, and it's dissipating all of that stuff. So think of stagnant water. The world systems, too or world systems that are too much dependent on self and increasingly less dependent on God must be shaken in order for the realization of the need of God to be present. See, when people are so reliant on themselves, and that's exactly what this country has become. This country has become, uh, this. it's been blessed by God, but it's moved from being blessed by God into being self-reliant. We're America. We're strong. We're, we're overcomers. We're this, we're that. We are number one. All these different things, right? And uh, people that, 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 that focus on those things, see, the founders of this nation... They were depending on the Lord. They were putting their hearts towards the things of God. They were depending on God to lead them into a, a land where there's freedom and stuff like that. Amen? Or where they could have that. Praise the Lord. Uh, uh, people too blessed too much who don't recognize him become spoiled and need reset. The church needed reset. And until Christians desire him again, Truly, I expect things will only grow worse. I believe that with all my heart until the church realizes its utter dependence on God and not the world systems. But see, what's happening is the world is pushing. They're pushing against those systems. They're pushing against godly systems and trying to get people independent or dependent on the government or dependent on this or dependent on that. Anything but God. They want anything but God, and this is the reason that the world needs to be shaken. And as we progress towards uh, the coming of Christ, it's only going to grow worse. There's going to be tribulations. There's going to be times of tribulations. Folks, there is today, and there has been since the beginning of time. Tribulations are nothing new to humanity, so don't be afraid of it. Why? Because if, if Jesus told us not to be afraid of it then, we certainly shouldn't be afraid of it now. There are definitely times when there are things that are hard, and you know what you're going to do with hard times? You're going to deal with them in faith, just like you were taught to do. Yeah. That's what you're going to do, and you're going to overcome them because you deal with them in faith. I can't say some of us may face really hard times. Some of us may face not so hard of times. Some of us may face really hard times uh, like are unseen anywhere else in the world, and some of us may never face those kinds of things. 
You see, those, there's different trials all over the place for different reasons. But we understand this. The destabilization is not because God doesn't love us, not because God doesn't care. But sometimes this rattling, sometimes these forces have to collide. And, and there's going to be resistance to get us to stop going forward. But Jesus told us, be of good cheer. He has overcome the world. Amen? Well, praise God. Hallelujah. Are we, are we watching my time? Because I'm not. Okay. Where am I at? Just so I know. I got a half hour left. So I just started the message. And I got a half hour left. Amen? Turn with me to 1 John. Praise the Lord. 1 John, chapter 2. First John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. It says here, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. Now when it says do not love the world, it doesn't mean, you know, don't, it, it means don't love the world's ways, don't love the world's system, don't love the way of the world, in other words. You know, don't be after the same things everybody else is. That's what it's talking about. You know, uh, there, there, there's, you know, and I find this a lot in this country, and it's, and it's because we have rights. Now, I'm not making light of our rights. I'm so thankful we have rights. But, you know, the thing is about having rights and freedoms is sometimes they give you the, uh, the they, they, sometimes they can spoil you. They can get you into a place that, that is, you know, we, and we are spoiled. We're spoiled to this degree, and I've learned this over and over again, and you, you can disagree with me, uh, but you're wrong. Uh, but uh, 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 the, the truth of the matter is, is this. Um, uh, all of our perceived uh, freedoms and our prosperity, all of these things that we live on, it, it's just that. It's an illusion. Those things do not really exist without God. I'm saying those things do not really exist without God. How can I say that? Because at any given point in time, that can be taken from you. At any point in time, that can be removed from you. If there's anything history has taught us, that nothing like that is solid. And for us to think, because it's always been here, you remember when I used to, I talk about when I used to work in the factory. And when I used to work in the factory, uh, uh, one of the things that I thought about all the time is because people would talk, I would always talk about wanting to leave the factory because I, I was just never cut out for that kind of work. God bless people that are, I just never was. And it's not a slight against anybody else. I'm just a different kind of personality. But nobody, I'm just going to be honest with you, nobody that worked there understood me. They're like, man, man, this is the best paying gig around. The best benefits, the best job, the most solid, the most stable, all this stuff. They, they, they presented all these things. You know, This is the best, right? Why on earth would you want to leave this and do anything else? Well, I had no idea that the real reason that was on the inside of me is because God was taking me to, to do something more, which was preaching, right? And, of course, I couldn't do this if I was still working there. Uh, but but the, the, the point is, is that I remember that all these people had this mindset that everything, it was just always good. It was always going to be there. It was a, sta a, st a stable thing. It was always around. It was always something people could count on. It was the best paying gig around, and they were right. It really was. As far as labor work type, labor type work goes, it was the best paying work that you were going to find in. People wanted to get into this factory. Tons of people tried to get into this factory, never made it. And here I am, a person that's in there. But I realized something. I realized that it was an illusion. Because all it took is one bad contract or one downturn in the economy or one different kind of presidency or whatever, different things that affect things. And all of a sudden, everything changed. Yeah. 
all of a sudden, everything that seemed good was not so good. And, you know, that's the same way. It's kind of a, 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 a micro example of our nation. Our nation is wonderful as long as its eyes are on the Lord. But as soon as our nation, which it has, takes its eyes off the Lord, it loses something. It loses that guarantee. And that guarantee now that people think is in our nation because we're free, let me tell you, that's just an illusion. Because if somebody desires to take it from you, they will find a way to do it. This is why our hope cannot be in natural things or world systems, amen? It has to be in Christ, in Christ alone, nothing else. If you're moved, if you're rattled because all of a sudden you don't know how you're going to take care of things because you lost your job or some kind of big bill came up, your hope is not in Christ, your hope is in whatever supply you had. If all of a sudden you're like, well, everything changed. If all of a sudden Pastor Jeff got taken out and the church had to close down and you walk away from God, your hope was never in God. Your hope was in the church. It was in Jeff. It was in all these other things, but it wasn't where it was supposed to be. We shouldn't, and this happens, I've seen this over and over and over with Christians. They go to a church for a while, something bad happens, and all of a sudden they walk away from God because something bad, and maybe it was something really bad. And they say, well, how could God let this happen? Listen, it's not that God let this happen. There is an unstable world, forces that are working against everybody, everybody that sits in here. Just ask your neighbor, have you gone through tribulation lately? Have you gone through something in your life? Have you seen stuff that, that, that seemed like it was great? Of course they, they have, and of course they'll say so. There's nothing new, but our faith is not founded in our prosperity. Our faith is not founded in our freedoms. Our faith is not founded in what we think we have. It's not founded in the house we live in or the cars we drive. It's not founded in the amount of money we make, how much taxes we pay or don't pay. It's not founded in what the gas prices are. It's not founded in any natural thing. Our faith can be in one thing and one thing alone, and that has got to be Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's where our faith is, and we have to remind ourselves of that time and time again. I am a Christian before I'm American. I'm a Christian before I'm a husband. I'm a Christian before I'm a father. Hallelujah. What does that mean? I'm a follower of Christ first. Amen? Praise the Lord. So do not love the world nor the things in the world. It says, if, any, uh, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's a, that's a bold statement. What are we motivated for? What are we motivated to? Some people are motivated to retirement. That, that is a really false assumption. Some people are motivated to, to next week. Some people are motivated to get a spouse or to get children or to get this or to get that. All kinds of things people would be motivated for. There is one thing we're called to be motivated for, and that's God. The gospel, doing the will of the Father. Amen. Praise the Lord. And the Bible says that all those other things, the love of the Father isn't in us. That's why I want to rid myself of those things. Why do I work to rid myself of things that I'm motivated for? Because, you, you know, I, uh, uh, I had a moment like this. This is going to sound really stupid, but I'm going to share it anyways. And it might mean nothing to you, but apply it to your life how it would mean something to you. You know, I, I, I always wanted a Jeep. That was, my, that was one of the desires of my heart. I know it's not a grand desire, but it was a desire I always wanted a Jeep. And I got a Jeep, and then I got the second one. And one of the things I wanted to do, one of the things with Jeeps, one of the exciting things if you own a Jeep is to decorate it. It's to put stuff on it. And they make Jeeps customizable for that purpose. And they sell lots of stuff to do it. 
And so quickly when I got my Jeep, I put all the cheap stuff on it, you know, the, thing, the things I could afford. And all the things I really wanted to put on it, they never got put on it because uh, you got to get to a point where you're not spending, you know, 10, 20 bucks here or there. You get to the point where you got to spend thousands to do the next thing. And I just wasn't going to get there and I couldn't justify it anyways. But I had put some lights on my Jeep and I carried them over from the other Jeep that I had. I put them on and did some other things, some other modifications and stuff like that. But I had this moment just before I left uh, to go over to Europe. I had this moment uh, that, that, that I've been learning more about uh, as I go. But, you know, one of the things I've been praying for, one of the things I've been seeking God for is to just have, to desire less uh, of the natural things. Not that it's bad to have natural things. Don't get me wrong. It's not, God doesn't care if you have a Jeep. If you don't want a Jeep, whatever, whatever it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to him. But God doesn't want the focus to be on those things. And, and in a fit of just like, I think it was divine inspiration, I spent an afternoon and I ripped everything off that thing. I mean, I took it all off. I had replaced the grill with the, they call it the angry grill, you know, it gives a real mean look, light up angry grill. Took it off, put the old one back on. Took the lights off. I mean, I cleaned it all out. I got, I got it back to pretty much a normal Jeep. I was even given free tires. Now I'm thinking about putting the old tires back on, selling those tires, and doing something more, more effective with the money. Why? Because God can't. No, because God has been moving things in me just to be to the place where it's like, you know what? It doesn't matter. This stuff is like I could spend a lot of time focusing on this stuff, and it's just natural garbage that means nothing. It's nothing. And, and, and it's not, again, if you, if you have something nice or something new, there's nothing wrong with that. God doesn't, you know, God, because I've had to reel that back at times too and be like, you know, God wants you to be blessed while you live here. But the, what I'm talking about, it was for me, it was kind of, it wasn't wrong that I had any of that stuff on there. God wasn't telling me that. And if you're like, man, I got to get a Jeep and got to put stuff on there. And now you're, 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 you're hurting that flow, Pastor. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying God was using it for me to teach me. God will teach you lessons according to your life. He was using me to show me something I believe in my life. And what, what is that? It's to cut, cut loose of the things that I thought that I needed. Yeah. The things that I thought mattered to me. You can ask my wife and my kids. I scared them all because I said, I'm ready to sell it. Let's just sell it and I'll just, just get something uh, just more comfortable than normal, you know, like, and of course, you, you know, and there's, again, there's balance to all these things. Praise the Lord. But, but what, what is the point that I'm trying to make is that, that, you know, it's so easy to be focused on, on the things of the world and the things that aren't God that they can really distract us. And what God was doing, again, I'm, don't take the, what I'm saying wrong. God was teaching me a lesson. It was, this was for me. It was no different if God told me to fast, doesn't mean everybody else got to start fasting. You know what I mean? You follow the Lord for yourself and what he's dealing with you. But we have to be open to these things. If, we, if, they're, if they're off the table to us, then our motivation isn't God. And it says, it, it says here, um, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And I'm going to, de uh, I'm going to uh, uh, define those in a minute. The world is passing away and also its lusts, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Now again, this doesn't mean we can't enjoy life and have nice things, take vacations, be blessed and stuff like that. That's not what this is saying. But this is saying, just don't let your focus be in that place. See, what I've learned, and this is what I learned in, the, in that process as, as, long, as well as others, is if anything takes my focus for too long, cut it loose because it's worthless. It's distracting me. 
anything that robs your focus for any length, real length of time, is a distraction from the greater good, from the greater things. That greater things is following the plan of God. Now let's, let's look at this a little bit. The lust of the flesh, literally, to understand that. See, we see that word lust, and a lot of times we think of the worst, right? right? You think of somebody who uh, is into pornography or something like it's lustful, or somebody who is, you know, doing awful things. These awful things are lustful. But, but listen, that's not all lust is. Lust is literally, it's just a craving for what is forbidding, forbidden. Now, now in, in definition, we can see this, that it's, it, it, you can kind of break it down into two categories, at least I am today for you, amen? Uh, the one category is things that are specifically wrong. So those are things that are obviously forbidden. God told Adam and Eve, do not eat the fruit of the tree of, the, of knowledge of good and evil that is in the midst of the garden, for in that day you shall surely die. It was forbidden fruit. It was something God said specifically don't do. He said, but of everything else you can eat. Just don't touch that one, right? That means everything else was free to eat, but that one was forbidden. So specifically forbidden. Doesn't the Bible give us a lot of things that are specifically forbidden? Again, we go through Galatians, uh, Galatians 5, and we see that. We see the, the, the works of the flesh, which are specifically forbidden. You know, that we don't, uh, we, we, we don't partake of those things. And, of course, we preach on those all the time. You know them, and if you don't, uh, uh, just follow your conscience or read the Bible, and, uh, and you'll get there. Amen? So there's the things that are specifically wrong. But there's one category of things that people, and those aren't things that by and large are huge problems, I think, typically with people. They can be an issue. There's always people in the church. But I'm talking about with faithful people. This is what I'm talking about. With faithful people, the forbidden things are obvious. We don't touch those, right? And faithful people are going to do their best to stay away from forbidden things. But there's another area that touches people that is beyond those things that are specifically forbidden, and they're things that might not be for you. They're things that God doesn't have for you. And see, there's a lot of things that we seek that aren't specifically forbidden because I can't think of anybody that would go before the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, bring me an adulterous relationship. Lord, bring me some fornication. Lord, you know, bring me, a, bring me a, you know, free access to a bar for a year. Ouch, Hallelujah. You hear what I'm saying? Like, God isn't telling us, like, Lord, you know, Lord, uh, give me something that I can really, truly covet. You, you know what I mean? These, these things are obvious to us. We don't pray for those things. But see, just because we don't pray for those things or we don't seek those things, we think, well, we're in the clear then. We think we're good. But see, the things that trip us up are the little foxes. The Bible says the little foxes spoil the vines. It's the little things that we don't see. It's the things that we haven't submitted to God. How about this? I remember going before the Lord so desperately desiring this one specific thing. And I was reading in the Word, and this was at a time of deep study in my life, and reading the Word, and I was, I was getting into the Word, and I was starting to be convicted because I realized that I had made this thing an idol. What is an idol? It's anything that you exalt above God. It was something that was so important to me that I, I needed this thing above all else. And I went before the Lord, and I realized, I was like, oh my God, I have to crucify this before the Lord. In fact, don't we see this with Abraham? Abraham was promised a child. God promised him a child. Right? And that promise, that promised child was not sinful in nature. It was, a, it was something that God said, this is something you will have. I'm giving you 
right? Praise the Lord. But then he said to sacrifice it to me. Now, before you get too far bent out of shape, because some people try to use this as arguments against our faith, you know, God isn't going to tell people to sacrifice their children, so don't worry about it. And if you think God's telling you to sacrifice your children, please tell us so we can report it to somebody who can, who can save your children because, you know, God isn't calling you to do that. Actually, if you understand really what was going on, even if you read the account in Genesis, you know, he says, I, you know, he told him to sacrifice his only child. Uh, if that sounds like anything familiar, it was actually a type and shadow. And there's a lot of those in the Bible, a type and shadow of what God would do. Only the Lord didn't make him sacrifice his child, did he? We know this that, uh, uh, that, that as he, uh, he, he encouraged or he had Abraham do it, Abraham went up to the point of raising the knife to do the deed. And what happened? An angel of the Lord came out and said, Stop. Right? And, it, it, and directed him, Because you have not withhold your, your only son, I know that you, there's nothing, basically, the idea is that there's nothing you would withhold from God. And so the greatest desire he put on the altar is what it is. And that's a type of shell. What does that tell us? It doesn't tell us again to sacrifice our children, but it tells us to take our, our, our greatest desires and lay them on the altar before God and say, Lord, I am following you. And if following you requires me to kill this thing right now, I'm going to do that with my whole heart. When I, when I got to that place, when I, I got before, I got to before the Lord, and I'm not kidding you, I was in turmoil and I was in tears because in my heart, I was sacrificing that very thing, and I knew it. And when I was doing that, I realized what that meant is that it might not be resurrected. And I, at the time, I couldn't understand that. Now, if I had probably followed that through to fruition, I would have gotten to some good things a lot sooner. But uh, I, I, I did do that in my heart at that moment. I sacrificed it before him. Sometimes the things that we want so badly are the things that we need to lay, on the, lay at the altar. Because those are the things that are hindering us from getting into God. See, we can desire so much all these things. There's so much in the world. And, we, and, we, and what that is, is it's really Christians just being earthly minded again. Because we think, oh, I've got this much life to live. Yeah. How old are you, right? I, I, the, it dawned on me yesterday as I was talking to my, uh, my middle son here. I was talking to Caleb and I said, I said uh, you know, I realized I, I'm, even if I don't live exactly as much time as I've lived now, if I live just as much time as I have already lived, I, I've already lived, I've, then I've, that would mean I've lived a long, I'll, I will have lived a long life, right? What is that saying? It's saying that I'm at least halfway through my life or close to it, right? Depending on how many years are on the, uh, 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 how many years I go, uh, whether Jesus comes back or if I just, you know, at some point check out. But I'm at least at halfway, and that, that, was, that dawned on me. I don't feel like I've gotten that much done. I don't feel like I've done that much. You know, I remember standing at Oral Roberts University and looking around the campus, and I see all these amazing things that, 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 that through this man that the Lord had done, and I'm like, how does anyone do such marvelous things in one lifetime? I mean, it's a beautiful, gorgeous campus. This is huge. Actually, we have a, a graduate, right, from, from there. So praise the Lord. And, and, and went there and partook of all that. And, you know, it's just amazing that one person could build, except for through the Lord, I don't see how it would be possible. And that's the same thing in me. I'm like looking at my life and I'm thinking, man, I haven't done anything. I've got to speed some things up. But see, this is the problem. So much of our life is focused on things that really just need to be laid on the altar. Yeah. Because we're trying to have things, sometimes and sometimes they're things that God wants us to have. You remember Isaac, uh, Abraham desperately wanted. 
it meant something specific to them, especially to them back then, to have uh, an heir to the throne. And God said, not only are you an heir to the, their lineage, and not only do you say you're going to have an heir, but he's going to be the father. You're the father of many nations. And so he even made it bigger, right? And so, but even then, there was still that requirement to sacrifice. It wasn't wrong. It wasn't bad to want it. It wasn't wrong. Do you think that, uh, that, that Abraham went to the, the altar still not desiring it? Of course he desired Isaac. He didn't want to sacrifice him. He didn't want to give it up. It wasn't something that, that, that he wanted. But what does Romans tell us? Romans actually gives us the answer about when it talks about him. It says he supposed that God was able to raise him from the dead because what he, what he knew was this. The promise of God said to him, you will have a, a child and that child will make you the father of many nations. And so he thought that even if I do this thing, God will have to raise him from the dead because he doesn't withdraw on his promises. That shows faith in God. See, whatever God is doing in your life, it doesn't matter the things that you are after. Those things don't matter because all that matters is what we follow God on. What is God doing? What does he want to do? What things do I need to bring before him? Because what God wants us to do is he wants all things to be exalted or, or him to be exalted above all things. Amen? Praise the Lord. So, uh, so, so it could also be the things that God doesn't have for you. Sometimes, in, you know, in Isaac's case, that was what uh, God did have for him. But, you know, there are things in this life that you will have to give up. Because sometimes there's things in this life that will be nothing but distraction to you. And if those things will be nothing but distraction to you once you get them, then they're not worth having. Anything that takes me away from God, my wife and I have been systematically working at lightening our load and everything in life. Why? Because we want to be free to do the will of God. Even though we can't, there's things we can't do today because we're still bound by certain things. You know, one of the things that we look forward to when my, when my wife is able to retire from her current job, one of the things that we look forward to is to, to be completely free to do whatever God would have us to do. Maybe God will send us to another country to have us live and do things over there. Maybe God will send us back and forth. Maybe he'll send us to plant three churches or four churches. Who knows what God will have us to do. But the point that we're trying to make is we're trying to get ourselves ready to be doing the full will of God, whatever he wants us to do at that point. But those things don't come without preparation. Those things don't come without sacrifice. Now, the lust of the eyes, in case you don't know what that is, it points to man's covetousness and inquisitive nature. We have a nature on the inside of us to obtain. How many times have you looked at something nice and say, oh, God, get me one of them? Yeah. Yeah. So there's, and there's nothing inherently wrong with saying, oh, I'd like to have one of them. But what's wrong is when we look at something and say, I would like to have one of those. I'm going to start trying to have one, but never go to our Heavenly Father and say, Lord, is this even something that you have for me? You know, I gave you the example. One of the things that my wife and I would love to do, there's this one area of life that we would be quite effective at and we're both talented in. And it's something that we would enjoy doing. So it's something we could do. It would make us a lot of money and it would be something that would be uh, uh, so enjoyable for us to do it. Make us a lot, a lot of money. I said that too, right? And uh, uh, so, and we want, I mean, our hearts are right. We want to do things like pay off church buildings and, and, and the work of the ministry and stuff like that, right? And so I could do all these things more, right? And, and, and I, 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 we found this open door, and this would be great. And, and I, 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 I put it before the Lord. And I said, okay, Lord, you know, I, I presented it to my wife. And she said to me, she said, you know what? The Lord showed me to go with whatever you decide to do. So whatever you decide to do, that's what I'm, I'm willing to jump in and invest whatever we need to invest in to do this. That, that's freedom right there. When your wife says, it's a go, man. Hallelujah. It's a go, right? 
whatever God has. She knew to just step in, because well, she knew a little bit more. But, but I, so I sat down and got before the Lord, and I was just, I was there, and then all of a sudden the Lord gave me a vision. And he showed me what life would be like having it. And he showed me that we would be very successful at it, that it would make us a lot of money, and it would do all those things. But then he showed me something else. He showed me what I'd give up by doing it. You see, with everything we do, with everything we obtain, there's things we give up to have them. Everything. Do not fool yourself into thinking that everything is just free because you will always pay some kind of price. Now, sometimes that price is worth it. You know, you pay a price to have children. Any parent knows this. But to, you know, most good parents, it's worth it to pay that price. And so we do, right? Uh, but, but we have to understand that that's the way it is. There's a cost to everything in life. And so what the Lord showed me was just that. And the cost was deeper things with him. Deeper revelation with him. He showed me these things that he's been doing in me, and he was showing me how those things would not be possible simply because I don't have enough time to divide. And instantly, I knew what to do with it. Now, God was giving me the choice. He really was giving me the choice. He's, actually, what the Lord, the, it, it kind of came across to me this way. I could say he said it to me, but this is how it came across to me. I will allow you to choose this, and I will bless it. He told me he would bless it. But he showed me what I would sacrifice by doing it. And the sacrifice wasn't worth. So I had to sacrifice that. Amen. And so I, I don't say that to, to, to pat myself on the back because that's one right decision I made out of many bad decisions. But the point that I'm trying to make is, is this is what we're being called to. This is what God is calling us to as Christians. We can obtain everything. We're Americans. We can obtain riches. We can work for it. We can build businesses, we can build uh, empires, we can do whatever. We can become just as rich as Donald Trump. We can do all kinds of things. We have, we have all this ability inherently within us. We, we can go after anything we want, but what is the cost of doing it? What do we sacrifice by doing it? Do you know there's people, uh, <laughs> praise the Lord, um, there's people, there's people in here. We have people in here. We have the Gabriels, we have the Gitchards who sacrifice every single Saturday to be in Cory. Every single Saturday. Josh has got an apartment that he's been working on forever, I think, um, <laughs> and trying to, and, uh, and just about every single Saturday shows up there ready to serve. He could have those other things, and it would make him more money to have those things. John and Liz could be doing other things as well. They could be, you know, and I, I don't know all the desires of the heart, so I'm not going to pretend, but like, you know, they, they, they could be out making things happen. I don't know, maybe go get a Saturday night thing and, or whatever and, and make lots of money. So I'm just, I just know in his specific case that he's given those things up, but they've given it up willingly. They don't, these people don't show up there like all miserable because they have to go to church all weekend. In fact, they've, some of them have even had family members say, what's wrong with you that you go to church all weekend? But th what they're there for, uh, 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 Josh and I, I called Josh yesterday, uh, yesterday morning, I called him. I said, I said, brother, you don't feel like you have to be. And I didn't say that because he was making me feel that way. I was saying that because I, wanted to be, I don't want to be a pastor that's making people do things. But you know what he said to me? He's like, Pastor, I'm there because, uh, well, basically, Pastor, I'm there because I want, I, want, I want to be helped. I, it believes, I believe I'm supposed to call, be called. And he said, if you started two, two more churches, he said, I'd find a way to try to be at those ones as well. And John and Liz have said the same thing to us. And, why, why do, and we have other people that go as well, our family, of course. But our family's kind of expected. I'm just kidding. You're, you're, you're expected, but you, you know, you all sacrifice as well. 
It's the same thing. You sacrifice, uh, you, you, you sacrifice sometimes uh, the weekend when they work all week. All these people work all week, right? They have jobs all week long that they go to. And then they sacrifice their weekends too to serve, to serve God in the kingdom of God. And the truth of the matter is, if everybody did a little, not everybody would have to do a lot. But not everybody does a little, so some people have to do a lot. And that's just the way that it goes. It's always that way. But what, So what do they do? They sacrifice and they do that for, for the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. To, to, because they believe that there's something that God wants to do in that place. And how, why do we press through into these things? Why do we do the extra things that we do? Because of those things. I'm not just saying we as in us. I'm talking about we as Christians. Why do we persevere? Why do we press through? Because there's a greater and higher calling. And when you realize that, when you recognize that, then all of a sudden laying things on the altar starts becoming easier and easier. You know, there was a time when I was like, I, I, when I put all that stuff on the Jeep, I thought, I'll never take this off. I'm just going to make it as cool as I can be. I couldn't be more blessed to tear it all off. And when I opened the garage door, because right now it's been parked outside because I was doing some things in the garage. But uh, I opened the garage door, I remember one day, and I looked at it, and it just blessed me so much to see it there, just, just the way that it was, plain as it was. It's still got the Bigfoot stickers on it, but you know, you, you don't have to take everything off, right? <laughs> we got to leave our mark somewhere. But you, you, do you know the point I'm trying to make is that, and, and again, you know, uh, we, th certainly we'll get vehicles again. Certainly you'll get vehicles or houses or whatever. It's not about the stuff, but it's just about not exalting the stuff in our lives, whatever it is we're after. See, when we're after the pursuit of life, and that's when we get to the last point here, amen. You remember how I said I wasn't going to get to all the scriptures? Well, uh, I should have just listened to the Lord on that, shouldn't I? Amen. The boastful pride of life is boasting of what one has and what one has done. Look at this empire I built. Look at all I've done. Look at all the things I can do. Look at the things that I have. Look at, look at, look at how rich I am, or look how, how faithful I've been, or look how this, or look how that. See, all those things are worthless. That's the boastful pride of life. And what does it say there about those? It says, uh, um, these are not from the Father, but is of the world. The world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. It, that's also another amazing statement. Um, that, that, that idea of living forever is, is, is not just that we get to have a, an eternal life after this life, but our life starts today and presses on through that. That we started a course, and that even though the body may die, we go on to greater things. We still continue on in that life that we started. See, this is what life in Christ is really all about. And this is what it means to be in him. It means to be willing to sacrifice those things on the altar and say, Lord, whatever you have for me is what I want. So whatever is required of me today. Now, again, this isn't a call for everybody to just go out and start throwing everything out. We don't want to see like, oh, family church, everybody in family church cleaned out their house and everything's gone. And, they, you know, nobody's living and everybody, you know, we're all wearing the same clothes because we only have one outfit that lasts us all week. You know, you can have a pair of underwear for every day of the week. That's okay. Please do. God will bless you. Amen. And he'll bless us too. If you don't do it for you, do it for us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God, you know. It's okay to, to brush your teeth with something good. It's, it's okay to, to clean yourself up, you know, and do the things. It's all this stuff is fine. But just nothing that we do, I do everything in the name of the Lord, right? As unto the Lord, looking to him and saying, Lord, is this pleasing to you? Is this part of my life? When was the last time you took something in your life, that, that thing that consumes your life, that thing that you know 
It's all diff different for all of us. So I'm not speaking to specifically anyone. I'm just speaking to everyone. What is that thing in your life that it consumes you, that overtakes you, that calls you away from God? What is that thing that you know takes just too, a little too much of your time? And that's, that's the thing that you need to lay on the altar. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I certainly didn't get into all of it. And there was a lot more good to get into. Aren't you glad? Amen. Maybe we'll get into it next week. Maybe we won't. Praise the Lord. But uh, God is good. I believe that message stands.